If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hello. And today we are here with an extremely special guest. Um, <laughs> and I know we have been having more and more people from my own life who've influenced me on. Uh, we have, um, man, I, I don't I feel like there should be like a title. Uh, the Honorable and Legendary <laughs> Ken Hagerman is with I us today. Infamous is what most people call me. <laughs> if, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Guys, I. I don't, I don't really know how to announce him to you. Uh, he has his own blog. Uh, he's had a podcast before. He's a rambling with the barba. Um, he's been a missionary to Paraguay, him and his family. Uh, they lie. were, they were camp directors when I was going to church camp. Um, I, if you've heard my testimony before, uh, the time that I rededicated my life to the Lord and really started focusing on, you know, my relationship with God was under his ministry, his family's ministry. Um, the time that I accepted my calling into the ministry was because of his family. Um, they've had such a profound impact on me. Um, a lot of my theology really comes from books that he's recommended in speeches or just to me on a one-on-one talk. So just be prepared for some some big bombs. <laughs> Phenomenal guy, great sense of humor. We're really excited for this. But before we jump into the meat of it, uh, we want to review some of our audience engagement. Uh, recently, on our Monday Monday, we asked our followers on various social media platforms, if they would rather have hardwood or tile. And uh, nine people said hardwood. One person said tile. And one person said floating vinyl planks. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just neither of those things. Yeah, so with that, uh, DJ, you want to jump into today's silly question? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so today's... Uh, silly question. Who is your favorite cartoon character from a different country? And I was a little um, confused when I read this. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to uh, I wanted to add, add something to this or to clarify something about this so that uh, TJ and I won't have too easy of a time. It should be from a different country on Earth. So aliens, like people from Treasure Planet, don't really count. And uh, gods, like people from Hercules, don't really count. Because me and TJ use Hercules and Treasure Planet for all of our cartoon questions. Okay. Okay. But so, so different other country as countries. in not from the United States. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So is it a I, character from another country or is it created cartoon. and playing in another country? Yeah. That was not my the character. Question. Just the character. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. But can it cartoon. be from another country? What, what do you mean? Uh, just can the cartoon be made in another country? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter where the cartoon was made. Just the okay. character can't be from America. Excellent. Or, you know, right. the United States. All right. Okay, Canada's I'll go first, then, if that's all right with everyone. Yeah. All right. 
So my favorite cartoon character, not from America, and this is just, you know, probably because I'm sure there are a bunch of cartoon characters <laughs> that aren't from America that I just kind of assumed were uh, that I like. But it, it's going to be Snufkin from the Moomins cartoon, which is a Finnish series. And it's really fantastic and quirky and I'm just kind of one of those like offbeat cartoons, but it's it's really good. Snufkin is just like just a dude chilling kind of what the whole right. show's about it's great all right but uh josh did you want to go next give ken a little more yeah. time to think <laughs> yeah i um you know i really tried hard on this to come up with a cartoon character that isn't like mainstream so i could be cool like tj because i knew tj was going to come up with something that not everybody knew and i wanted to be that guy but the more i think about it and i think about characters that I like i'm like oh that's kind of vague that's cool most of them still don't measure up to Mushu for me, so I'm I'm gonna have to go with him. Oh, okay. He's just hilarious. He's a dragon. That's a character. I guess. All right, yeah. Ken Barba. Uh, <laughs> Who's your favorite cartoon <laughs> character in another country? I went old school Looney Tunes to begin with. Uh, Josh and I were talking about that earlier, and uh, but just this week, my character had some issues. And uh, it was yeah. determined that uh, Pepe Le Pew is uh, an abuser. So I'm going to step away from him because uh, it's socially acceptable to cancel him. And uh, yeah. I'm going to go with Speed Racer. Oh, uh, that was a great choice. Yeah, I, I loved yeah, uh, yeah, like Speed Racer back in the day. I'll watch it again now. It's a great, yeah, uh, great cartoon. I watched it every yeah. time it was on. So, and uh, yeah, it's a great show. It was a companion in that afternoon with uh, also with Ultraman. If you're familiar with yeah. Ultraman, yeah. man, you know, but TJ, I really old. thought you were going to go with someone from Coco. I, Coco's a good movie, but yeah, just uh, not like your top ten yeah. kind of. I mean, okay. no, it definitely is, but that's not related. Uh, okay, <laughs> I got you. All right, so <laughs> to jump into today's real topic, uh, unless we just want to talk about cartoons, we could, we could do that <laughs> probably. <laughs> but uh, we, we wanted to know, uh, and as I mentioned, your ministry has really impacted me, plenty of others, probably plenty of people who are listening. Um, would you mind sharing with us the testimony of how you came to know Jesus as your Savior and um, what your life and ministry has been like since then? Sure. Uh, yeah, just, you know, your whole life story, right, like a right. quick, you know, little pitch would be great. <laughs> sure. The, uh, I, I, uh, really had, uh, a relationship with God from the womb. Uh, it wasn't real. It was more of a, a birthright <laughs> because, uh, I came home from the hospital. The first place that I went when I left my home at about two weeks or so of age was a church service. And uh, yeah. consistently in church all the time. In fact, uh, I started preaching when I was about three or four. Uh, of course, we were in the basement, and there was only two other people there. And we took turns preaching and uh, and also took turns being healed and uh, <laughs> taking up offering and uh, <laughs> whatever else. Well, sounds like but, you did a really uh, good job. <laughs> right. But uh, in earnest, I got saved uh, the first few times. <laughs> <laughs> probably associated with youth camp. Uh, when I was about 17, though, actually, I was exactly 17. It was in August of that year. Uh, 
I got saved, uh, and uh, it was uh, real. It stuck, right. I like to say. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. uh, an emotional thing, and it wasn't attached to summer camp or anything like that. It was real. And uh, that is not to say there was not significant and repeated failure for decades to come. But I didn't fall all the way back to the point where I was uh, in search of a savior again. Uh, what I did was realize that I had made a mess of what I claimed and worked from there. And I began to understand some more valuable lessons about how salvation really worked. Um, there was a turning point, a repentance, but there was also uh, at that point, that's when we, uh, I began to, uh, realize there's a process involved with that. And I didn't need to fix it all at one time because, some of it I didn't have access to. I had to fix some periphery and minor things first so that I could begin to get deeper and deeper and deeper into who I was and, and the uh, my actual, uh, how lost I actually was without that Savior. Uh-huh. And uh, I have uh, come to realize that the longer I live, um, the more I have to repent of. But, I also discover that there is a much deeper grace uh, than I ever anticipated to begin with. And uh, Mm. he is sweeter daily uh, to me. He is better to me than I would have ever deserved. And at this point, um, I have had significant issues happen in life where questions arise, but the questions weren't about whether or not God was where he wanted, or God was who he said he was or where he should be. The questions were, why wasn't I? Uh, what what part of my life um, was out of alignment? Or what did God hope to accomplish by allowing that thing to happen? So maybe maybe I was where he wanted me to be, and he just needed me to have some experiences in a certain way. I don't know. Uh what came out of that though was the fact that um despite what i sound like today i can communicate <laughs> fairly well with uh with people at, and I, I, i'm able to uh take a concept and make it understandable um and i worked in youth work and uh with young people for a long time i was uh a youth pastor for a little while and as you said, a camp director, and we went uh, to uh, Paraguay and did our work down there. And uh, each one of those was an opportunity to uh, basically share the love of Christ. The bottom line for me ended up being uh, twofold. Uh, one, the message that really, the, the verse that uh, attached itself to everything I ever did in uh, ministry was... First uh, Thessalonians 2 and 8, and it said, We loved you so much that not only did we share the gospel of God, but ourselves as well. And uh, basically what that says is um, it's pointing to having a relationship with the person that you're trying to minister to. Uh, it's not a close-the-deal kind of thing uh, from a salesman perspective. We're not going to go out and shotgun blast uh, Jesus everywhere <laughs> and expect it to for the 
the overall percentage to be a positive one. Uh, however, and, and I liken it to this when, we're, when I'm talking to somebody who understands ministry, uh, when I have an important life decision, I don't drive down to the local Walmart or uh, Target or whatever and decide that the third red car that pulls in, I'm going to ask those people what I should do with my <laughs> life. I don't know them. They don't know me. Why would I seek their advice on something that's important, everlasting? But if important. one of our listeners want to try, they, they could let us know how it turned out. Right, right. <laughs> you say, well, go yeah. out there and see what happens. Uh, yeah. It's Third a sketchy car. world out anymore, but uh, mm-hmm. no telling what will happen. Uh, but, you know, we don't do that. What we do is we go to our friends, our family, people we respect, people we love, people whose life we look at and realize that they're doing something right, and we ask their opinion. And uh, what we should be doing is being those people. Be friendly. Uh-huh. Uh, don't try to go out there and cold turkey uh, minister. I mean, you know, be Jesus all the time to everyone, but if you really want to make the most out of the situation that you're in, then... Uh, you need to have a relationship with the group of people that you're trying to minister to. Uh, Paul spoke and he said that uh, he was criticizing, um, I think it was the Corinthians, about uh, some of them said they were of Paul or they were of Apollos or they were of Christ. And uh, what he said was um, that some water uh, or some plant the seed, some water the seed and others uh, and someone else will come along and uh, get the harvest. And what that means is mm-hmm. that as we're looking at a group of people or, or that we're ministering to, we may not know what stage they're in. Are we planting a seed? Are we watering that seed? Or is it time for the harvest? And uh, we'll know, we'll have a better understanding of, of where we are in that process if we have a relationship with those people. And I said it was twofold. The second part of that is in Matthew uh, where they asked, uh, they were trying to trick Jesus and they asked him what the, the most important commandment was. And we all know that he said two things, love God, love your neighbor. My favorite verse out of that section isn't either of those. It's what follows directly after that. And he says, on these two things hang all of the law and all of the prophets. So... He basically boiled it down to two sentences. Love God, love people. And uh, you can't love somebody if you don't even know them. You can love the concept right. of them, but it's time to invest. And so that really is kind of from, from when I made a genuine commitment. The reason that that happened and it stuck was because there were people in my life who knew me, who loved me, who poured into me. Who knew I was doing things I shouldn't? But they didn't write me off or condemn me as a sinner. They let me find out that I was a sinner and I condemned myself. Then they helped me find uh, a resolution to that. And uh, that is the concept of a disciple making a disciple making disciple. Um, oh, good word. Good right. word. You know, um, Hearing your story reminds me of something that I tell a lot of people that I learned from my friend, Ken Hagerman. 
uh, which I, I've, I've often wondered. So now you can tell me if this comes from a book or something, or if this is just like original kin content. I remember once you telling me that salvation is like a lifeguard going out to get someone drowning in the ocean. When they get to you, do you say you're saved? No, not till they make it back to shore. So right now we're being saved. We're in that process. Right. Which is sort of what you're talking about. Um, yeah, so was that a, <laughs> is that a Ken original or is that like from something? Honestly, I can't say for sure. Uh, it was probably a paraphrase. <laughs> well, I've been telling something. people it's from you, so yeah. I, I hope I'm not um, lying. Well, you probably heard me say it, so that's safe yeah. enough as far as <laughs> I mean, attribution. For me, that's where it came from. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. But, who I mean, it, that, but he definitely said it. You know, setting aside any arguments that anybody wants to have about eternal salvation and all of that, and I'm not your guy for for the that kind of mm-hmm. theological battle, uh, mainly because uh, I grow weary of the spiritual cannibalism that's the uh, climate in Christianity these days. We can't really seem to have a discussion anymore without destroying the other person that believes differently. That's not this podcast. Mm. <laughs> Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're kind of the opposite of that, hopefully. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, you won't, you won't open dialogue. But uh, having said yeah. that, the concept that, that you're pointing out is that exactly. You're not saved. You know, what if a shark eats the guy swimming you back in? Whoops. I was saved. Now I'm not. <laughs> now I'm not Didn't even going to drown. drown. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not even going to drown. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that, to me, I think that that's an important difference to think about mm. until he says, well done, and in, invites us in with that embrace and all that, then it's still, there's still work to be done. Uh, mm-hmm. This year... Yeah, that's, uh, that's always stuck with me. So. Right. Well, this year it's come to light that several you know, huge Christian leaders have had incredible failings in their life. And these are men who are... Uh, substantial in years, not only in age uh, chronologically, but in their Christian walk. So mm-hmm. it can happen to anybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so be vigilant. All right. Right. So uh, you have a blog. The blog's right. title is rambling with the Barba. Uh, right. Could you tell us and our audience how you came up with that name? Well, um, I started the blog right after I'd had open heart surgery and, uh, when we lived in Paraguay, it was a, a way for me to kind of be creative and get some things out. Uh, the word Barba means beard in Spanish. And uh, fun fact, side note, it is uh, in, in the Spanish language, they have uh, masculine and feminine <laughs> words. And for some bizarre reason, the word Barba is feminine. So you would use right. la in front of it. Uh, preparing for the bearded lady that's right i'm not entirely sure i didn't see that many bearded ladies while we were there so maybe there's you didn't see that many but right maybe there's more to that it's not uh, none what i realized but that's where it came from i had a big beard and um notoriously i recognize this is a generalization most uh Hispanic folks, guys, they're not, they don't grow big, thick, long beards. And so it was an oddity down there. And so that's what people called me was Barba. Uh, in fact, a lot, in a couple places where we were, 
they called what we the work we did uh, the Barba Church. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we were not at all doing a church, but that's it was a, a religious kind of thing, and uh, they knew we were Christian people, and uh, so it was the Barba Church. But listen, uh, I would gladly go to the Beard Church. Someone started it here in Charlotte. So. Right, right. So. Uh, as you can tell already, I can ramble on. So that was pretty much uh, the <laughs> yeah. logical explanation or, or idea the for point. the title. Yeah. But uh, yeah, rambling awesome. with the barba. And uh, uh, for it, my tagline has always been sometimes satirical, sometimes serious, always entertaining. And uh, I, the, the always entertaining, I really is, that's my hope. But sometimes I write stuff that's just a satire and it's a crack. Sometimes it's a little more serious. <laughs> Uh, when, you know, we're sharing, but in the description of it, I, I wrote, um, and it's been, golly, 10 or 12 years now. Uh, I wrote, I blog so that we can all talk about it and figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I blog about the events that are happening in my life. And, uh, I, I didn't blog because I had the answers. I blogged because I didn't. And uh, we're still looking for them, which is a departure, in my opinion, from what happens on the Internet mostly today. Uh, It creates (laughs) a we've created a world of uh, specialists and uh, uh, professionals and experts, and nobody has questions anymore. But anyhow, again, it's not this blog. I'm not going to (laughs) rant. And it's an important point. Yeah. It's Maybe like, that's it, for uh, episode two. <laughs> it, it's like an old school forum, you know? Right. Just go, say whatever, and then you and 20 other people talk about it for the next, you know, two months or whatever. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, no one does that anymore. Right. <laughs> so you have a new podcast in the works called uh, Confessions of a Culture Shock Victim. Uh, what can you tell us about that project and when to expect the first episode? That is a loose title. Um what right i had started uh experimenting with the idea of writing a book basically of uh the similar uh storytelling style but that that my blog is uh incorporating some of the satire uh type uh elements but, but mainly sticking to the story of my life as a memoir um uh, and uh as i reopened the blog uh this past year and got to thinking about it, I thought it might be a good opportunity to release that in episodes as chapters or, or release the chapters of the book as episodes as an audio book rather than just write it. And, uh, yeah. uh, I, I still love books, but I'm also a, a pragmatist and I can see that, Attraction would be more with something like that. And I, I thought of doing the recording myself. So it would be written, but, um, and this wouldn't be a dramatization style uh, audio book. I'm not going to do funny voices and uh, have sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm right now Man. just kind of putting together the ideas <laughs> for the outline. Uh, I did an experiment and wrote five or 6,000 word short story that kind of, it skipped uh, around but uh, covered some, it started off when I was uh, roughly in the 18, 19 year old range and took me into my forties within about five or 6,000 words. There's a huge uh, group of material that I need to go back and fill in there, but I was just trying to see 
what it would sound like right. and that kind of thing. But hopefully later this year, I've got several other things going. I, I'm uh, mm-hmm. terrible about, I, I don't mind multitasking. The problem is, <laughs> is I keep bringing new stuff in. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I need to be able to say no to a few things so that I can actually, I can multitask the items I have open and finish a few things, you know? So I, I'm still out there. I've got uh, my material together, my the actual, the uh, things I need to do a decent recording here in my home. And uh, now I've got to concentrate on getting the outline written and yeah. practice some nice. so that people like to yeah. hear my voice. Yeah, and you know, focus on multitasking and not omnitasking. Right, and the name that I was using there, uh, what what it basically uh, came from, uh, the idea of culture shock. Um, We experienced that going in both directions when we moved out of the country. We experienced that in the in our host country while we were there, and then when the time came for us to come back. Uh, even for visits, we experienced a reverse culture shock coming back to our own uh, or what we w- would have considered our own culture, but had changed. Uh, for us, yeah. uh, the country we left aged three or five or eight or seven years all in one day. We left where we were yeah. and we landed in a completely different world. Uh, I, I can remember shutting down a little at the fact that there were 200 choices of breakfast cereal on a grocery store aisle. (laughs) I would like (laughs) all of these. (laughs) But, uh, you know... That's still a problem. It doesn't go away. Right, right. (laughs) You know, there has to be somewhere in the pantry for something other than boxes of cereal. But... uh, You had two pantries. Right, right. Yeah. One for cereal, one for, one for cereal. new yeah. types of Chef Boyardee and Oreos. Right, right. Hey, everyone. We just want to take a quick break to let you know all the many ways that you could support the Whole Church Podcast. Hey, on- hey Josh, that's going to take too long. No, uh, okay. Well, could you list all the ways that you can think of for mm-hmm. them to support us in 10 seconds or less? Yeah. Uh, subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Rate us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Support us on Patreon. Our cash app is in the show notes. Subscribe to the newsletter and rate the episode. All right, yeah, that that sounds and good. Share to the episode. I guess we should let them get back to it then. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all enjoy. In thinking yeah. about that idea, um, I realized as Christians uh, we experience a culture shock. Um, this life that we're living, we come in, we come face to face with the fact that it's not really what we thought it was, and that we are in need of a savior. And then we have to begin to make some changes in who we are and release control of that. And uh, in ministry, you experience a culture shock because people treat you differently if you uh, label yourself any kind of minister whatsoever. Uh, If you're a youth pastor or a camp director or whatever, uh, we love the concept of hierarchy. And what goes with it is a little bit of separation. You're not among the people, so to speak, anymore. You whether you like it or not, they have put you in a different place. And so there's a culture shock that goes along with each one of those things, not to mention outside of that, what life does to us. Uh, (laughs) When we're young, we can't wait until we are old enough to finally go to school. 
and then um, get out of elementary school and, and middle school and then high school. And in high school, we want to get 15 so we can get a permit, 16 so we can drive at night. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all these uh, numbers. Um, then you turn 21, and that's uh, supposed to make you an adult because now you're allowed to buy uh, alcohol and cigarettes in most places at 21. And the last real number you have to look forward to from then is 25 because you may get a break on your car insurance. Yeah. And then after that, it's... And you can rent a car. Right, right. There you go. Without the extra fee, yeah. But then it's yeah. 65. There's a big gap where there's no real... Nothing to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. I'm just stuck out here, you know? Right. So um, each of those things has, has with it. Uh, you're leaving something behind and joining a new group. And there's a, a potential for a culture shock of sorts there. And so I wanted to cover some of those ideas um, as they re- from life as they relate to my Christian walk and uh, how I went in guns a-blazing in ministry back in the day and realized uh, two-thirds of what I thought or said was either uh, stupid or heresy. <laughs> And uh, had to go back and uh, uh, educate myself, know better about what I'm doing. I'm responsible for the words that come out of my mouth when I'm trying to to, uh, share the love of Christ with somebody. And uh, and sharing his love shouldn't hurt somebody. (laughs) You know, it shouldn't damage them (laughs) and wound them mortally uh, or uh, long term. You know, it might be damaging to uh, their lifestyle or uh, some part of something they don't want to let go of, but it shouldn't hurt them emotionally. But at any rate, that's kind of where that name came from. And that's, you know, there sounds like there's some big topics there, but my plan is for it to be uh, really entertaining and really taking a jab at myself so that somebody else who reads this and says, you know, I used to do that same thing. It's okay for them to be critical of themselves yeah. then because I've already jabbed myself about it. Right. Uh, yeah. well, it, mean, it's it so much well, easier if you say, if something happens and uh, I say, look how, let me tell you this story. Look how stupid I was. And then if you did the same thing, you go, yeah, I did that same thing. And you've never told anybody you did before. Now you've been liberated yeah. of holding that. It has no power over <laughs> you because. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's great being able to project without having to project, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, we um, no, it's, it sounds like it'd be really interesting. Uh, interesting to hear, especially you know, uh, the parts where you know a lot of us don't know what it's like to live in another country and then come back to America. And it also sounds like it'd be really relatable. So it's like both and it's kind of right because you know I, I can think of um, when I first went to college, I went to a public university, and having grown up in a only Christian household, going to a freshman public university dorm yeah culture yeah. shock is appropriate i, I can't tell absolutely because you know this is a pg podcast <laughs> but uh yeah it was something else man that's so, exactly <laughs> the kind of thing i'm talking about those are the the times that yeah. uh we have to figure out how to function you know what's the appropriate how, how do i do that you still have to love jesus said that was one of the two things <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have two jobs, you know, right? Figure it out. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so on your um on your website, 
you say that your spiritual gift is um was is satire because you know it's a Christian version of sarcasm. I think right. you say. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's really uh, <laughs> yes. me being, but making a joke. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I I do have to wonder. You know, satire, sarcasm, whatever it is. You know, a lot of people see that today as kind of um almost negative, especially you know Christian community. We're supposed to only be polite and nice all the time, right? <laughs> do you um. How how do you handle people who you know who don't see it all in jest? You know, some people who see it as jaded or anything like that. How how do you answer that kind of thought? I have to believe that Jesus had a sense of humor. First off, and uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. we uh, clearly God has a sense of humor for the fact that He chose to create us the way He did. Um, and there is a little, there's a difference between what sarcasm is and, and, uh, satire. Um, sarcasm tends to be, uh, hurtful. Uh, and more often yeah. than not, something sarcastic is a praise that is intended to damage you where hmm. satire would be exactly the opposite. It might be a crack that, uh, is meant to help you. It's a constructive criticism. It exposes shortcomings. Um, yeah. The purpose of a satire is to point out something <laughs> in a in a humorous way that may not be as easy to talk about if you're talking about it seriously. But if you find a few oddball things that uh, you can kind of uh, toss in some levity, it makes it easier to discuss. Uh, that's that whole spoonful of sugar makes the medicine <laughs> go down. Right, uh, yeah. Mentality. Big Disney fans here, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, satire is, you know, Jonathan Swift, you know, in Ireland, you know, during the famine, was like, hey, we have a problem. It's a famine. We also have an overpopulation problem. <laughs> I think these two can solve each other. Right. That's satire. Yeah. Um, but that's also is very funny. Dark. That's a very dark humor. Yeah, right. it's also right. very funny to read it. It's called A, Mo- a Modest Proposal. Super funny. Right. I'd read that in school. But uh, <laughs> so uh, some examples of satire um, come from, I, I don't know if you would call it a series or what, your Jesus junk stuff. Right, right. On your website. Yeah. And um, one thing from your Jesus junk, which is, uh, you'll have to go to, uh, you can go to his website, it has a search bar, type in Jesus junk and read literally everything that pops up. It'll be worth it. But one thing that's kind of uh, gained some traction, some popularity as of late, um, the after-school program led by uh, you know our good friends Shama and PD. Right. Which a uh, quick side note, I've been trying to figure out earlier. You were on episode either eighty-three or eighty-four of their podcast, and I'm trying to figure out this will either be episode or eighty-three or eighty-four for us. So well, that needs be nice if it just happens to coincide. Lottery tickets <laughs> with that number. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, just, yeah. you know, Ken Hagerman, if you like Christian podcast, uh, Ken Hagerman is featured on episode 83 of every single one. <laughs> That'd be great. Right. Everyone just invited you for that. No, but, um, yeah, so uh, Shaman PD had, had you on their show, but they also, they did a video about the church card, which is something you had on there, which was, um, you know, you can get points without actually having to go to church. That way you don't right. have to go to church. Yeah, kind of thing. Right. Um I'm <laughs> I'm probably oversimplifying the joke, and I'm not good at jokes. So, but uh, so you, true. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Okay, so could you share with us the 
kind of the original inspiration behind the church card? Sure. Um, I'll back up from that even. Jesus Junk, in general, <laughs> it's a fictitious company I created that makes uh, products and services to uh, enhance your Christian walk. And uh, yeah. it was that's a, a, a tool that I'm able to use to pick up some things um, to talk about in a satirical way that are just kind of sacred cows sometimes or just sort of ridiculous. Yeah. Now, the church card, um, we, you, you rarely find a Christian that you can ask, do you think going to church is important? Not, you, don't, you don't have to lace it with all <laughs> any kind of theological debate or the, the pandemic or anything like that, just in a general sense. Meeting together with other Christians. I mean, you can point to several scriptures that tell us that's what we should do. So church is important. Yet, um, I would. I have friends. I've said it myself at different times. Oh, geez, it's late. I got to get in the bed. We got to go to church tomorrow morning. <laughs> um, is that really the attitude yeah. I should have? And so, what causes <laughs> that? It, you know. And I started to look into it, and we're adding so many things. And in that video one of the characters um she says uh my pastor started adding uh, uh small groups and meetings and potlucks and you know just goes off with a, a whole list of uh bible school and a whole list of things that are happening she said uh i thought i would never see another reality tv show and that really <laughs> you know that those lines uh are really kind of that and the the sports guy there's a, a a football fan on there and he said I, I that he almost got kicked out of his friend group because uh <laughs> he didn't know who was playing in a, a certain ball game and uh because mm. he had missed a bunch of games because they happen on sunday but now he can cash in his uh rewards points uh also known as messiah miles and uh <laughs> right and be able to uh, take the time off and still get credit for going. Well, why do we go to church? I mean, it, it, that concept there, getting credit for going, was really so that other people will feel like that we are right, that we're okay, we're spiritually sound. And so to do that, we have to check a box, and that box is attendance. And if that's the case, then it doesn't really matter if you go or not. And that's the whole point behind the church card. At the end of it, you laugh and you go, that's ridiculous. Then a couple of minutes later, you go, it really isn't that ridiculous. And that is satire. <laughs> that's right. the whole, that's what I'm trying to it's do with that whole uh, category of the blog is to write stuff where people read it, they laugh and they go, that's stupid. Oh, well, actually, <laughs> I know somebody who, you know, um, yeah, for different reasons, uh, we've heard stories about church splits and, uh, this one got mad and left because of that. And uh, it almost invariably is something ridiculous. Uh, I heard about one where uh, a congregation split, and it was uh, the church that came out of that. One of them was called the Church of No Coat Hook because they didn't like mm. where they were going to place the hooks for the coats at the back of the, <laughs> the building. <laughs> really, mm -hmm. well, that I is understand. the name <laughs> of your church now. See that? Well, yeah. that writes itself. You know, so you exactly. don't think the people of that church would uh, come on a church unity podcast? Do you? Right? Maybe. Yeah, I bet <laughs> but, not. Uh, yeah, that's 
Yeah, that's how you can tell uh, when satire is written well. Uh, like, you know, the Babylon Bee and the Onion here recently. Yeah. Uh, there have been, you know, actual headlines that happen. And then you can go back a couple years and it's on one of those sites. <laughs> and you're like, right. well, yeah, I guess, fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, but do you, so do you think if we all stop treating church as such a transactional thing, like, uh, you know, with the fictional church card, uh, that it would help church unity? Do you think that would help us out? Um, yeah, I we like want to know how word. it translates to our goals. <laughs> right. This, I like the, uh, us, Ken. I mean, I don't know what you're doing. I like the, the word transactional, uh, because it points to consumerism and that, in my opinion, that's where a big uh, part of the problem is in modern church. Uh, it's consumeristic. We like to come in, um, we are entertained by the music and, uh, I mean, I'm probably going to hurt somebody's feelings, but the truth is what the, what's really the difference in some worship services and when YMCA comes on at the skate rink. Um, (laughs) I get to skate. What do you mean? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a, a a spiritual component of course, but we come into church if we're, we're into that whole consumerist kind of idea. We've been entertained for a while. Now it's time for us to get up and uh, participate. And so we get up, uh, we sing a certain song, we do certain motions, we sit down, and then we let uh, the pastor get up and he gives us the message, whatever it happens to be. And uh, we pay our fee when the plate comes around or in the form of ties or, or whatever else, and then we go home. Um, I think there would be more unity if we backed away from Trump, some of that, like, as, as you said, the transactional concept of it. Um, but for that to happen, we have to be vulnerable. And for that to happen, we have to trust our Christian brothers and sisters. If I can't trust you, I'm not going to tell you how to hurt me the worst, which is that thing that I'm having trouble with. Uh, if I can trust you, then I'm having a problem. I can share it with you. And maybe the two of us, we can overcome that in my life. And the next week, when, the if you have an issue, you talked about at the beginning, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. and, and that trust comes out of, out of a community, out of a relationship. Uh, I've always said something magical happens when you sit at a table and have a meal with somebody. Um, yeah, especially if certain people are cooking, but that's an entirely different magic, (laughs) but sit across the table with somebody, share a meal, spend that time, enjoy each other's company and conversation. Um, if God will make an opportunity to turn a corner in your conversation to spiritual things, it doesn't have to be contrived. It doesn't have to be painful when it happens. Uh, I heard one pastor recently say, um, he said, just open up the conversation. It's going to be awkward for 10 seconds. He said, I know some of y'all. You can be awkward for much, much longer than 10 seconds. He said, you're doing it every day. He said, just be uncomfortable and awkward for 10, 15, 20 seconds to get to the other side of the initial question. And if you forged a good enough relationship there, that's not going to be the thing that breaks that. Now, they may say, I'm not interested in discussing this anymore, or I'm not ready for that yet, or any number of other things that shut it down. But if you've 
put your time in. They know that they don't, they don't, uh, they're not a notch in your spiritual belt. And, uh, that's one of the things that I wonder about. Um, are we really, uh, ministering to people when we, um, we jump in there, we, we put together a presentation that is, that is designed to drag on their emotions and heartstrings and in a, a fit of guilt, they pray a sinner's prayer. And then we mark them on the book as having been mm-hmm. converted and then never go see them again. <laughs> we have right. no idea what happened to them. Man. Yeah. Then, um, you know, I'm all for celebrating salvations, but you know, then you, you do that. And then you post on your Facebook, Oh, 17. And it's, it's the numbers, right? That's back right. to that transactional thing. So I think that's a, the ring's really true. The ring's really true to me. What um, happens to, I heard, I heard somebody <laughs> else say uh, uh, a few years ago, he said, if you are uh, driven by the numbers, then your ministry will be structured mm-hmm. to get the numbers. Not, uh, mm-hmm. not to actually make a difference in not somebody's me. life. And, uh, and he said, by that, you know, think in terms of school. Um, there, was, there was training that happened at different points in, in uh, education. But I think it's pretty safe to say now that um, people, they, uh, they go to school and education is designed to teach them how to pass a standardized test mm-hmm. because right. that's, where, mm-hmm. that's where the finances come to the school from and that's where uh, uh, everybody's being judged by and that sort of thing. So you're teaching to, you're teaching to the test. Well, if, that, if your numbers and your scorecard you know, your attendance and salvations and offering are, are your measurements, your metrics, then everything you do is going to be for that. It didn't have anything to do mm-hmm. with Christ or anybody else. Which is um, sad, and that's a, definitely a huge challenge for, for some people. Um, right. Hopefully some of our listeners will take that to heart and pray about it, man. Right. Um, now, one thing we like to do at the end of our show, we always like to like, we, we always like to like, <laughs> sorry, we always like to ask our guest for just one, a single practical, practical, man, I can't speak today, mm-hmm. single mm-hmm. practical intangible action that our listeners can just go and do that will help better maintain unity. Um, I know earlier you mentioned we need to go sit down and have meals with people. Do, would that, uh, do you think that would be something practical that you would suggest for people to go do or uh, do you have something else in mind? Well, that's an element of it, but I do have something else, uh, it's easy, or it can be. Uh, listen, listen. If your own voice is the only one you hear, you will never learn anything. True. Um, you want to what happens? Your own voice sounds like right. Yeah, what if you? What if science? What if you've been wrong all along, and you could have <laughs> learned that that you were mistaken? Decades ago, years ago, if you only listened, uh, first mm-hmm. off, and um, how often are we, quote unquote, ministering to somebody and we start telling them how they should be, how they live, how they, yeah. things they need to change, or, and we haven't listened to anything they've said yet. We need to know who and where they are before we can attempt 
to give them anything of value. Um, you can tell me all day that uh, uh, I need to stop uh, eating uh, asparagus. <laughs> I haven't had any asparagus in several years now. Okay, thank um, God. Let's go with kale. I don't mind asparagus so bad in certain situations, <laughs> but kale is. Yeah. Uh, you, when oh, I say the devil's lettuce, you probably are thinking about something else. <laughs> it's kale. Trust me, well, it's kale. Uh, it's it's like right. you took dirt and <laughs> yeah. painted it green. Don't tell me I, I need to. Eat, I need to eat less kale. I don't eat it. Okay. Well then, <laughs> that's of no value to me. And uh, yeah. I think that. In our um, in our Christian world, we need to listen more. Be available right. to listen. You need to know going in that if you're going to disciple somebody, that it is a world class hassle. That's, yeah, no, that's simple. True. That's all there is to it. Do you think that's that you Jesus? Yeah. Do you think that it was easy for Jesus to disciple those twelve guys? He was constantly saying, hey, man, I am the son of God. Remember? <laughs> Why are you freaking out on this boat? We're, we're not going to sink. I'm here. You know, why are you acting this way? You're going to deny me. No, I'm not. You're going to do it in like eight minutes, man. <laughs> I literally know you're going to do it. Why are you lying? And uh, oh, man. The, the Peter, the structure of that is interesting because they were in the same courtyard. It makes me wonder if when he did the first time, if he didn't look over across, you know, the courtyard. And at that same moment, Jesus happened to be looking at him. Like, oh, one eyebrow. Chest. Yeah. Hey, man, told I you, told you, <laughs> told you. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, he probably so, would have uh, shouted so, boom and raised his hands, but then that would have leveled the whole building. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, so, listen with what you're it, saying. It can't be that hard. Just listen. Be available to listen. Right. No, if you're going to commit to somebody that you know, I, I've had people that I was trying to disciple with that um, they their life was kind of a mess. I liked the guy; he was cool. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I didn't want him to go to hell. So I mean, you know, there's that. <laughs> he got in trouble. He went to prison. I had to take a bunch of collect calls from prison in the middle of the night because that's <laughs> his prison was in a different time zone. And, um, he, you know, they had to make collect calls. Was I not going to take that call? Or, or if I did, I was I going to stand there and then act like it was such a hassle that he hung up? This guy's <laughs> finally in a place where he's starting to realize his actions have consequences. And I yeah. keep spouting all this rhetoric about love do i love him or not it's messy it's yeah. a hassle we just listen sometimes and what do you think go ahead i'm sorry oh go ahead no no it's, it's all right sometimes uh for me at least if i if i'm if i'm going through something and somebody's willing just to listen a lot of times i'll talk my way back around to what the real problem is and maybe even a genuine solution without I just need somebody to hear it, to throw some things out. You know, I, I'll say something. And go, ah, you don't really feel like that, do you? And then I have to <laughs> answer that question. I, I really don't. I don't. I'm just mad. Well, why are you mad? Right. See, they're not doing anything major. They're just listening. 
and giving me that little prompt that moves me along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you think we would see happen in the church if everyone just started listening? Um, I think it would be revolutionary because what would sprout out of that would be uh, a group of people who first off felt valued mm-hmm. because uh, what makes you feel less valued than somebody ignoring you even while you're trying to talk to them? Have you ever had a phone conversation with somebody that was doing something on the other line? They were washing dishes or cleaning their house or having a conversation with another person who was live in the room with them. You work your way around to hanging up uh, because you clearly aren't important enough to them to uh, spend an effort for them to actually uh, put an effort out in listening to what you have to say. So if we began to feel valued, we also would be, uh, I I postulate, we would probably be less arrogant, less condescending, Mm -hmm. because instead of trying to uh, make ourselves feel valuable by demeaning someone else, suddenly we begin to realize who our identity is in Christ because we are being valued by Christ through that other person, uh, Mm -hmm. being their tool. not to mention, you won't end up with a church of no coat hooks because somebody would have <laughs> said, hey, I don't think we should put those there. And they would say, I hear you. Where do you think we should put them? <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe there wouldn't be so, 100,000 denominations. I don't know. I'm, mm-hmm. Now I'm getting crazy, but. Yeah. So yeah. So we need to all try that. We need to all listen. But absolutely. Speaking of listening, uh, the last thing we like to do on the show uh, before we get into the outro is our God moment segment. Uh, you know, we just take a minute to share something God has done with us recently, whether it be a challenge or a blessing or a moment of worship. And I always like to make Josh go first. It's kind of customary. Yeah. It gives me time to think. Yeah. I'm gonna cheat today. Okay. Uh, my God moment was uh, about five minutes ago when uh, Ken's application was to listen. <laughs> uh, it, it made me, well, yeah, I mean, it's longer than five minutes ago. It, it made me reflect on um, what have been the biggest opportunities for me to minister to people in the last year or so. And uh, most of them actually came from me applying things I learned from an unnamed atheist podcast because I don't want to tell people the name of it because then they'll judge me. But uh, it's a podcast for atheists. But from that, I learned a lot of how people view Christians. So when I'm listening to people around me, I've, I've you know, said that kind of stuff. And that's, that's kind of what I was reflecting on when he was talking about listening. I was like, yeah, yeah, that that's kind of been what's been working for me. I just didn't have an, you know, didn't pinpoint it. But uh, yeah, that's what it is, is, um, you recognize how people view you. You listen for it. And you just kind of let them address it themselves, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that, that was good stuff. So, All TJ. Right. Uh, you know, I think my God moment... Uh, I, I guess it's going to be... Uh, I've been to a couple funerals in the past few days. Uh, I just saw Larry and Deborah Hagerman uh, a couple hours ago at a funeral. Uh, but that's pretty good. You know, it's group getting of people. that kind of point. Yeah, they're all right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, 
it's obviously it's not nice, but it is uh what's the right word? It's really galvanizing for the soul to see a bunch of people that this person has affected in their life kind of show up and you know celebrate that life and you know mourn their passing. And you know, that's just it's something to be grateful for. The knowledge that, you know, when we die, the effect that we left on the world will remain and will persevere. So, yeah, I guess that's it, you know? Yeah. Well, likely be the things. people you had a relationship with, not the people you uh, shotgun Jesus at. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. That kind of connects to uh, today's message, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, La Barba. Man, you did, uh, you did you have a God moment for us? Well, just to speak to yours, this week I had a uh, Facebook memory pop up. And uh, what the post was that I had written at the time was, what are you leaving as a legacy? Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, yeah, man, that's still, that's still fresh for me. What am I leaving? You know, had I died last year, what would I left? And now that I'm not dead, I got to keep figuring out <laughs> something of quality to leave behind. Um, right. I kind of joked back in the day that on my tombstone, I wanted my epitaph to be, he tried, <laughs> but, which I'm not sure that's a bad thing, you know? Uh, right. But yeah. my, uh, for me this past year, I've had some real, um, significant personal challenges. And what I have found is God didn't lie to me. Mm. He was there even stronger than uh, he has been all along. And as much as I'm willing to let him have, he's willing to take. And uh, I guess what one thing he's done for me, um, I've thought this for years, but he's made it real in this past few months, is uh, the longer I live, the more questions I have, the less answers I have. But right. I'm also more okay with it being that way. I don't have to have the answers, and it's okay for me to have the questions. Um, right. Yeah. And he's made that Where's the fun abundant. if you know everything? Right. He's made that abundantly clear <laughs> yeah. to me in this yeah. past uh, few months, especially. I don't have to know the answers, and I'm okay not knowing. But uh, awesome. that'll be my generalized god moment right i think i'm gonna climb a really tall young tree and nail something to the top of it you know at the very least when i go that'll still probably be there (laughs) then if someone gets it down you know that's you know i did that so (laughs) yeah that's just one idea it's a a good it should just say legacy on it though that's all it right yeah (laughs) Uh, this is wow, my man, legacy. So we talked about your website and stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of the other projects you've been a part of, um, and we didn't even scratch the surface <laughs> on your life and your ministry. Um, I know you mentioned your um, heart surgery, but we didn't really get to talk about it. Uh, there's lots of stuff that you guys should go over to his website, check out, read his blogs. He talks a lot more about his life and things there that I think it's worthwhile to read about. Um, Hopefully he'll come back on the show and we'll talk about it some more too. But uh, Man, Dylan, where, where can they find you and follow your ministry? Um, my blog is really my, uh, I mean, that's my main outlet for uh, 
things. I haven't written anything on there in a little while, but uh, uh, I'm just trying to navigate what... It's tough to do satire when the whole world is ridiculous already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. Stuff that I would write <laughs> and make fun of in a certain way, that's common now. <laughs> And the things that I would say, ah, it's not believable. I can't write that. That's legitimate yeah. headlines. But uh, now beyond that, um, the blog, Rambling with the Barba, and uh, it's uh, is that just ramblingwiththebarba.com? It's dot org. Dot uh, org. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I had dot com at one time. I just type it in Google. Works for me. Yeah. Somebody's Please. selling uh, T-shirts and stuff on the dot-com one now. Apparently, I had a, a uh-huh. good amount of traffic, and it didn't renew when I thought it did. Uh, never mind. But oh, anyway, uh, you can also find me on uh, most social media outlets. I have Instagram mm-hmm. that I try to do a little bit with, and uh, uh, I'm more of a a uh, Facebook stalker of my friends. I like to see what's going on in their lives. Yeah. I don't post a ton on there, <laughs> but I'm there. And uh, I have a Twitter, but I, I don't know if I've even logged into it for a while because uh, <laughs> I just don't want to fight. Twitter's somebody. hard. <laughs> I've been trying, but it's just hard. <laughs> right. It is. I, I really was good at it for a while, but ay, ay, ay. Uh, yeah. And, Social media is one of those places, too, that it's tough to just listen, like I said before, because nobody knows you're there if you're just listening. <laughs> well, if you're just listening, you're, it, it's called stalking on social media. Right, so. right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hopefully yeah. we uh, can uh, jump on there, read some blogs, make some comments, criticize me about my take on something. I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> I've got thick skin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, TJ, so, you, you should announce the one future guest first. Which one? Uh, the one I told you about earlier. I was expecting Ken to quote oh. him at some point during this podcast, and he just didn't. And I was kind of disappointed. All right. Well, I was just well, going to wait as a matter of fact if that was a <laughs> legit uh, thing or if you were just baiting me with that on, uh, on your note. Yeah. So, future oh, guests... Of the podcast, uh, we will have Matt Chandler, uh, well awesome. reputed author, friend yeah. of Francis Chan. Uh, God. Ken's a huge fan. I am. Know. I'm a fanboy. Uh, really it probably mortifies uh, Matt Chandler that uh, I like him as much as I do. I'm sure that's not exactly what he had in mind for his <laughs> ministry. But uh, right. if he no, sold you t-shirts his with his face, I would buy audience. it. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Future guests on the podcast. We're going to have Matt Chandler, of course. Uh, Dr. Tremper Longman III, who has worked on several of our English Bible translations, including the Message, the NLT, and the CSB, uh, and retired professor of biblical studies at Westmont College, uh, return guest Sister Rose of the Catholic Campus Ministry at UNCW, and Father Jonathan of the Holy Trinity Greek Orthodox Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, our good friend, Pastor Chris Brissy. And, of course, at the end of this season, we will have Francis Chan. Yeah, he just yeah. doesn't know about it, but maybe uh, Pastor Matt will tell him. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that'd be, uh, that'd Pastor be Matt will let Francis Chan know we want him on the podcast, and then we can end season one. Yeah. So uh, thank you all so much for listening today. Thank you, Ken, for your time. And uh, no we problem. hope you come back next week. There's one more thing we'd like to do. 
just for our patrons. So if you want to hear it, hop on over there, whatever. Uh, 